Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I am David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? How are you doing? Uh, I'm not in a really good space right at the moment. Thanks. How about yourself? Well, I just couldn't take it anymore. And when Nuge got that penalty in the end, I turned off, I turned, I hit pause and I just thought I can't watch this power play. And I just, so I just waited two minutes twiddling my thumbs. And then I looked at the scoreboard and it was three, two. And that made the defeat sting. I think quite a bit less. It was, it was easier than to watch that sequence. And uh, so, but that was a very tough loss. It, the, the one thing that made me um, less upset about this loss than the, the, the loss in game one, which was a devastating loss, is um, the, Kings, the Kings deserve this game, in my opinion, Bruce. Um, they had 16 grade A shots compared to 15 from the Oilers. But more than that, they had nine uh, five alarm shots. So five alarm shots go in at 33% of the time on average, and the owners just had two. So nine to two on the most dangerous oh. kinds of scoring chance shots. Um, yeah, uh, it was it, L.A. I just had a bad, honestly, I had a bad feeling all day about this game. I just, L.A. had not played well in Edmonton. Um, I knew they were capable of a better game, and I thought they would come out. And I thought if the owners could get through the first period, survive the first period, um, it might turn out okay for them, and that didn't happen uh, in the end. Uh, yeah, it just seemed like there was an, an inevitability about playing in L.A. You know what the refs are like going to be like in L.A. L.A. is going to be fired up. They're going to bring their best game. And I just it just was all adding up to me. Uh, and I also had I was worried about Skinner heading into this game. Anyway. So I had a bad feeling, and and I'm so maybe because I was expecting them to <laughs> this game on some level, I'm not as upset. All right, Bruce, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it was a really tough Oilers loss, we'll go with two bad things each, just to add um, um, uh, verbiage to misery. All right, Bruce, your let's let's. Should we start with the good things or end with them today? Uh, well, I kind of think the bad things kind of dominate. Uh, All right, we'll start with the one. bad. We'll start with you, bad need, you need to go first, just and I need to go first because things, yeah. yeah. So again, I was thinking the orders were going to get through that first period, and then this is this is as people who listen to this podcast know, this is one of my pet peeves is having. These, these offensive players on in the final two minutes of a, of a period in a, in a tight game or any, you know, in a tight game, especially. And they had the line of McDavid, who isn't a weak defensive player, but he really is a great. He, he is first and foremost a forward first offensive player. He's a good defender, though. But his wingers right now, Kane and Hyman, they're not. Their defense is kind of iffy. So I was really worried with this line out there. And um, thinking, and I was cursing Woodcroft even before it happened. I was thinking, like, why are you doing this? You know, Hyman and Kane, they just, anyway, the puck's in the corner. 
there's a battle on the boards which lasts 30 seconds it seems where they don't call the whistle they, is it against the rule to blow the whistle at some point why don't you just blow the whistle it was ridiculous i've never seen a i don't i can't remember all year long at least seeing a, a dead puck held against the boards last that long without a whistle i know they don't call it much but i just think this like if they're gonna la's gonna hold it there or whoever's holding i think it was kopitar if i'm not mistaken who's ever holding it like just call the whistle anyway doesn't happen then the puck gets shot around the boards to the point to matt roy on the on the right point Kane's covering that player and instead of like the the play is you do not want Matt Roy to shoot on net. You So you take the middle of the ice. You take the middle of the ice so he can't get the shot on net if that puck goes around to him. But Kane kind of tracks the puck around the boards thinking he's going to catch up to it, and he never does. And because he never does, because he's and because he's he's on the wrong side of the player, he's on the board yeah, side of the player, on the, board, the yeah. middle of the ice is also open, Bruce, and Quinton Byfield's there. And because Quinton Byfield's there, it's, Roy could have passed to Byfield in the high slot. Nurse, Darnell Nurse, then, he's got to come out and cover Quinton Byfield. The puck cut, so Nurse came, it, there's a shot on net. The dreaded Californian comes about in front of our eyes. The, the shot on net. And um, CeCe and Hyman had been on the boards with their two LA players who they had been battling for the puck there. On the, um, I guess this is the left board, so the left half wall. And CeCe sticks with his man, but um, I have follow charges the net and Hyman, he just stands still. And the and Ayafolo meets the puck, he deflects the first shot, and then he puts the rebound in because Hyman is just asleep. So Kane and Hyman, both with my, to my mind, with really um, major mental errors. And this is what I don't like about having these guys out there. They're just, they're not thinking defense all the time. They're thinking offense, they're thinking attack, they're offensive players. Defensive players are thinking defense all the time. That's why I would prefer to see them in those particular situations at the end of the period. Just sh- shut it down with guys like Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle and Bugstad and um, uh, go go in that direction. Uh, Ryan McLeod, because I don't think this particularly works, Bruce. And so that's my, my uh, bad thing. Yeah, Kane took a horrible angle to that shot. And, you know... I'd like to think a guy who's played left wing in the National Hockey League for 13 seasons <laughs> should have a decent idea of what the angle is for between the point and the net, even if he can't see the net. And generally, if the defenseman's further off the boards than you are, chances are pretty good you're not going to block that shot. You know, it's just simple geometry, but uh, that was poor. And Hyman was sound asleep in the corner. CeCe never came out of the corner. Uh, Nurse was sort of floating around in the middle, but not really on anybody. I mean, he was sort of shadowing um, uh, Byfield, as you say, in the high slot, but he with CeCe just locked in the corner and the other defenseman floats away from the front of the net, then the front of the net is wide open. I mean, you you call this goal a Californian. Usually a Californian goes through three or four defenders and attackers and the goalie never sees it. Well, there was no defender within 100 miles of the front of the net. And the guy... Who was it who scored it? It was uh, uh, I have follow. I have follow again. Yeah, he went in. He gets a midair tip on it. Uh, Skinner makes a good save off of that, and then he just sort of chops at the rebound, and somehow it goes up and over Skinner <sighs> and into the net. Like that was uh, thirty-two seconds left in the period, Bruce. Yeah, they were almost scoreless, and then that, and that was just 
The puck was in the corner, though, and there was like four Oilers within five feet of the boards. Why so were they that doing that? When, they started backing away. Back like away, like realized. Four. And once, uh, once um, Kopitar finally got a hold of the puck and fired it around the boards uh, to the point man, the Oilers were just lost at sea because nobody was even close to being in his regular position. And this is offensive players too, Bruce. What do they do? Mm-hmm. They hover around the puck. They go for the puck. They're so mm-hmm. puck-centric. And I just... I just think it's a it's it's. I don't have a lot of criticisms of Jay Woodcroft. I don't think actually that I can. I'm not constantly harping on anything, but I am starting to constantly harp on this. I think I think they need to revisit this strategy and think again about it because I don't think this works. And um, you know now you know some some people will blame CC and Nurse. Like if you're kind of an old time hockey guy, you're going to think where are the defensemen in front of the net? Yeah. Well, the I'm way that. the way that you defend now is everyone's got a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think everyone's this is a this everyone's got a player. You you stick with your man, and um, I, I get the criticism. And, and yeah, I would have liked to see a defenseman in front of the net, but I understand why there wasn't because I think they were sticking with their men. Although with CC, I actually think if I was to blame anyone, it would be not be Nurse. I think actually Nurse had to go out and cover Byfield in the high slot because if Roy puts it over there, Byfield's going to get a dangerous chance. CC, as the defenseman, if I was to blame any defenseman, I would. CC's like, okay, the puck's going over there. I'm that he's not scoring from the boards. I'm skedaddling to the net as fast as I can because because that's that's where they're going to score from. So I think actually, if you're going to blame a defenseman, I, I would I could agree to CC, but I I think Nurse had to do what he did. Your bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, bad thing number one is uh, uh, I'm going to go with the 2-2 goal, uh, so the second L.A. goal. Uh, but mainly I'm not happy at all with what preceded it, and I know I promised to turn over a new leaf with refs, and I have. It's a hard job. Somebody's got to do it. Ideally, someone has to do it well, but uh, that seems to be beyond the call right now. The unsportsmanlike penalty on Leon Drysaddle is the weakest, lamest call of the entire season. It is. In terms of what he did to get two minutes, the order scored two to go ahead, two to one. It's like the referees are going, oh no, Edmonton is starting to get momentum. we got to do something. Because Leon literally, he skated past uh, um, Drys- uh, beside uh, Sir Drew Doughty, and he gave him the littlest tap on the shin pad, like on the shin pad, he tapped him on the shin pad, the same way you see a, a player tap an opponent on the shin pad when he's made a good play. Now, obviously, that wasn't the intent. But to call a two-minute penalty for that is just absolute garbage. And it helped decide this hockey game. That bullshit penalty was a big part of deciding this hockey game because L.A. came right back on that power play and tied it up, and then it just stayed tied until guess who gets a power play in overtime again to win it? But that's your second bad thing. I'm just going to leave it there before I start steaming over. It, it, considering Terrible. the tenor of this game and the number of little shots, constant <sighs> little shots, and way worse than that. Way worse. Way than worse that. than that. Come on. Come on, Raf. What are you? What are you like? Yeah. Anyway, that that was a terrible call. That was a ridiculous call, and they were really mad at Doughty for a very borderline hit on Connor McDavid. Yeah, he, he got crushed his McDavid and injured him, and that's not a penalty, yeah, of course. He got he his knee in Doughty. Yeah. So, you know, 
Come on. He goes by and says, nice try, Drew, and gives him a little tap on the shin pads. And that's a, you know what I want to say, penalty. Yeah, no, that, I do have to give credit. In a playoff to, game. To LA on the set play on that goal. Oh, yeah, it was a beautiful that's a goal. brilliant set play. Yep. And um, that's a, you know, whoever thought that up on the LA coaching staff or the players themselves, whoever thought that up, that was a hell of a good play. And um, yeah, don't, you don't want to get caught on that again because um, Kempe is a wicked shooter of the puck. And um, that he's really caught the four orders. times as fast as Cody Cece. So he's going to win that race. Every yeah. Time. So you're, you're just going to have to back off a bit. Like if, if they're capable of, if that's, you, you got to be looking for that. Anyway, it was a, it was a really good play. Mm-hmm. Okay. My second bad thing, Bruce, is the overtime goal. And I'm not going to, I think the penalty was a penalty. Um, you know, at any other time in the game, without a, no one will complain about that penalty. The guy is cutting into the middle of the slot. I think it's Kempe, if I'm not mistaken. Again, it's he's cutting into the middle of this the slot area with the puck. He's going to shoot. And Nuge, wham, comes down hard and heavy, fairly high. Not on his hands, just above his hands. Slashes his stick and breaks his stick. So it's a scoring chance. It is a broken stick. It is a hard, it is a hard slash. I was okay with the call. I, I don't like it. But that's a penalty, in my view. Um, but man, the the um, the goal itself was one mistake after another, and um, the least of the mistakes. The puck's in the right corner on the right corner on the boards, and Ekholm and Ryan are battling for it. Ryan gets on the wrong side of the uh, of the play, charges in there. But I think the puck at that point was on the wrong side, so he was playing the puck, which is probably not a bad play. So his was the least of the mistakes, but he is on the wrong side. And I think that has a bit of an impact. If he's on the right side of the of the of the attacker, maybe this play doesn't happen. Maybe he's in a position to take the shooter, Trevor Moore, in the end, instead of being on the boards. So then the puck goes behind the net. I can't remember who was it uh, who took it behind the net. Do you recall? Um King's King attacker takes it behind the net. Whoever got the assist. Yeah, Velardi. Velardi takes it behind the net. And he beats Ekholm's battling with him. And, um, but that's okay. Like this is a battle and, and, and he's going, it looks like he's going behind the net or, or he might be able to pass out. Pass out is not a great thing. Ekholm lost that battle. But if people are covering the, sh- the shooters in front of the net, the pass out isn't that big a deal. You got the shooters covered and there was only one shooter, Trevor Moore, standing right there at the side of the net. And what does Darnell Nurse do? He makes one of the poorest reads he's made all season in in years, actually, because instead of just taking out, you know, reading the play calmly and Nicholas Lidstrom, you know, Jedi defender status, cover the front of the net, take the man who's going to shoot, look for the danger man. He decides he's going to lunge, just about jump over the net, lunge and try to block uh, the progress of of the player Velarde behind the net or block the pass. So he's lunging. When he, all he has to do is lift Trevor Moore's stick and there's no goal. Instead, he wipes himself out, making this, this um, misguided play, and it's in the net. And it is, and it is on Darnell Nurse. It is a huge mistake by a veteran defenseman who, who we have praised all year, who we con- continually defend, who I think is a, is, a, is a good number one defenseman. But man, that was a really bad play. Um, and, and the only thing I can think is, 
I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had been out there for the entire penalty kill. He hadn't gotten on the, off the ice. And this could be another, it's like Kane in overtime when he when he had a brain glitch. You're just so tired and you're you're kind of desperate. So you just you just make a mental mistake because of that. That's what's driving it is fatigue and um and and stress. And you're just you're just desperate for it, this to all to go away and it doesn't. And you make a mistake because of that. So I think that that's part of the equation here in terms of nurse making a bad play, but that was one. Yeah, you expect your big D man to keep his head. Yeah, you do. And, you know, be stable and steady around the net. And he, him lunging to try and pick off a pass. Uh, and he, he basically wiped himself out, like you say, because I'm not sure if he caught himself on the crossbar or something, but he wound up kind of twisting and falling back in a way as Trevor Moore just shoved it in from four feet out. And Nurse was literally standing right next to the guy until he took himself out of the play. That is a truly wretched decision and wretched execution and it cost him the hockey game there's no other way to put it it did it really that's a hard way to lose and brutal yeah it's just a mental error mm -hmm. and um no good boost no good. yeah well they had he'd screened uh skinner there was three chances on that power play and nurse was among the culprits on all three like he had yeah like he rushed up the ice early in the shift and i don't know if he winded himself but from then on, he screened the goalie, allowed a pass across that uh, uh, Byfield slammed on net in a one-timer. And then uh, the worst of all was the play right at the end that decided it. Like, I don't know if uh, I'd like to know what he what he thought he was doing, frankly. Yeah, early in that PK, McLeod and Nurse failed to clear it. And I thought they were, I thought the bad thing was going to happen then, but it happened near the end, right near the end of that power play. And it did happen. Do you have a second bad thing, Bruce? Oh, uh, well, yeah. There's there's so many things, Dave. Um, <laughs> so many things. I'm I, I'm going to bail, and I'm I'm going to. It's it's no, it's not even fair to do that. Uh, yeah. Take a deep breath. Think about what you're yeah. going to say next. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to Don't find. Don't bother something. you. Say it. Just say it, but say it in polite terms, perhaps. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, just in general terms, the penalty kill. You know, they got lit up for two goals in game one. One that tied it in the last minute. One in overtime. They scored right away. Uh, tonight they had a 2-1 lead for 18 seconds, and the penalty kill got drilled for a goal right away. And then in overtime. You know, like this is two power plays. LA's got an overtime, which is probably two more power plays than Edmonton's had in playoff overtime this century, but that's another issue. Two games in a row, LA got one, and two games in a row, they scored. The penalty kill could not come through in either situation, and they're down the series because the PK let them down. I wish DeHarnay had been out there at the end, honestly. I mean, I just think he's, I think he's their best defenseman on the PK. I I, I do. And uh, anyway. He, there's, I can guarantee you that the Ross rookie wouldn't have played that any worse. <laughs> yeah. So the Kings, Bruce. Um, so as I said, they had uh, 16 grade A shots. Eight of those, half of them, fully half of them came on the power play. Mm -hmm. They had nine five alarm shots. 
-hmm. and um, five of those, or excuse me, four of those were on the power play. So four of their five. They did. They they feasted on the Oilers penalty kill tonight, and it is a good power play. Just as the Oilers power play is freaking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we are on to our good things, and I guess I'll go first. I, I thought um, I, maybe it's because I was worried about Stuart Skinner's play. Um, I thought he he I thought he was really good, and I thought he made a number. He made two. Just trying to think of the first one. He made two spectacular saves. Um, the second one was um, in the third period with uh, 10 minutes left in the third, and it's right near the end of a very dangerous L.A. power play. They've already had um, two uh, grade A shots, and um, Arvidsson blasts it from the uh, the dot, winds up blasted through a screen, and the rebound goes uh, across the net. And Bukestad, it hits Bukestad, and Bukestad directs it right at the Oilers' net, and it's going in. And Skinner, in Ken Dryden-esque fashion, launches himself and gets his pad over there. The big guy gets his pad over there, gets the pad on it, and stops what was going to be a really devastating goal against. Um, that was just a fantastic save. I can't recall the one other one that I have in mind, but there was one other... Um, Really nice uh, save. Oh, great stop you have. It's at, um, oh, this is a dry settles turnover where he's trying to pass to Bouchard mm-hmm. in the second period. Oh, the Tried two on zero. Cross ice pass. Mm-hmm. And um, this is another just a reaction save by Skinner. And he, he you know, it goes, it's a two on, two on O and puck goes um, one way and then the other. And, um, there's a shot right near the post and Skinner manages to get his pad on that one as well. So I was just, I just that was a great really save. encouraged by, we need, the orders needed some big saves and they got mm-hmm. some big saves from their goalie tonight. You need big saves to win a game. Mm-hmm. I think he played well enough for the Oilers to win. This, this loss was not on Stuart Skinner. Um, it was on the referees. <laughs> no, it was on the Kings really played well. The King, I, again, like, I do think the Kings came up with their best game and they played very well. Although, uh, you know, obviously having those power plays didn't hurt. <sighs> yeah. Okay, you're Five to four tonight, David. It was pretty close on power plays. The Kings only had one more than the Oilers. You know. So it's 15 to eight now. What in was the, the power play time, though? Was that? Um, oh, yeah. Well, no, it was uh, uh, seven minutes for the Kings and 6.43 for the Oilers. So. Score. Yeah, they both scored. They both so, scored twice. Yeah, yeah. So they were even at even strength, Bruce, with um, the teams with eight grade A shots each at even strength. So, right. And I guess I'm just old school enough that I'm trying to imagine Andy Van Helleman calling that penalty in overtime. Uh, and I well, just can't. <laughs> well, the rule is anyway. the, the rule is you don't call a penalty. Unless it's a good scoring chance in overtime, that's the old rule, as mm-hmm. I recall. And so this was, I, I think it was close enough. I think it was in the modern NHL that's a penalty. And did he break his any, stick though? Like he yeah, I dropped his stick, but it looked like an intact stick to me. But uh, well, anyway. I didn't. I can't. That's what the announcer said. Yeah. And Hunter Ryan is actually really good. 
like mm-hmm. in picking out the action, like like mm-hmm. he picks no, up. He dropped. He, he, he did hack his stick, and he did you know. Yeah, he, ch- you know he checked him. You know, I mean, Ryan thinks that he he broke it. He, the stick got broken, or someone did. I, I think yeah, no, was. he did, and and the guy just threw it down after the whistle was blown. But to me, it looked intact. But that's. You know, there was no sort of obvious splintered stick or pieces of stick or stick bent the wrong way. You know, it was just, it looked like a stick, but that could well have been cracked or something. But so, Just a tough play. Nuge was slow. He was and, yeah. slow. Like he saw the play develop and he was just a split second slow reacting to it. And when he got there, he was in a bad enough position that he did have to, he did have to uh, yeah. reach in and hack at a stick. And I called it. And that was the hockey game. So anyway, they're uh, they need to get some more out of the. They got the three five million dollar wingers, David, and uh, they haven't got a lot done in three games. Kane's struggling right now. I th- I felt that Kane's he had a hard time since he came back. Really, yeah, he's had some moments where he's looked good, where you where you think he maybe he's back. But man, he was he was he was struggling uh, to make a pass or make shots tonight. He was really having a hard time. It's almost like they should move him down um, and move uh, Fogel up or McLeod up mm-hmm. because um, you know I. I, I like I see what people are saying about Yamamoto, the people who defend Yamamoto, that he does make plays with the puck. He does win the puck. He moves the puck along. Like he, he, if there's anyone going to be shooting from the slot, you don't want it to be Yamamoto. But he does keep the. He's a def, he's a solid defensive player, and he keeps the offensive play alive. So he is a good yes. player on a top line in that way. Oh. Kane is not at this point, and and I think it's it's harming McDavid or yeah, it's harming or Drysaddle when he was out there. Get maybe McLeod. Um, into that role and see what happens. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go with four uh, forward lines again next game to see if they can kind of change the uh, change the rhythm of the game. Bruce, uh, you might as well if they're going to use Philip Broberg for three minutes and ten seconds. You might as well have Devin Shore. At least you can put him out on the PK or whatever. You know, he's he he Devin Shore played very well in the second half of the year. Bruce, what is your good thing? Uh, well, I got to go with Connor McDavid. I thought he put in a, a yeoman effort tonight, and this was the game I was hoping for from him that I thought would win Edmonton a game in Los Angeles. Me it would too. be a great game for McDavid, and they got one, and they didn't win. And this is scary. He did not get enough help from his teammates uh, to win this game. But uh, Connor was given it. He was uh, he was clearly hurting there. He took a really really heavy sort of awkward check from Drew Sir Drew Doughty, uh, who. Uh, that was no problem. And he got up kind of sore and it looked like it was somewhere in his lower body, but uh, uh, hard to tell exactly. But uh, he toughed it out. And out bet- the hit came between his two goals, and the two goals were only a minute 40 seconds apart. And this was when uh, uh, the Oilers scored both of their goals on the power play. They mustered nothing at even strength tonight. And when they did muster a good shot at even strength, they tended to miss the net with it, it seemed like. Anyway, it was, uh, uh, well, uh, it, it was uh, two great shots from McDavid from almost the same spot in the left face-off circle up near the ringette line. Fairways out, but two wicked drives, one in the top corner glove side and one in the lower corner stick side. And uh, he beat the... Uh, uh, he beat the block attempts of uh, Los Angeles defensemen and flat out beat 
uh, Jonas Corpusalo was something nobody else could do in this entire game tonight. Came close to scoring a, a third goal a couple times. Uh, Corpusalo had the answers, and he had uh, uh, he had seven shots. He had five hits. He had two takeaways. Fifty-three percent in the circle, and he was uh, he was leading the troops tonight. Uh, but it just uh, wasn't quite enough. But uh, certainly no fault from McDavid, who was clearly Edmonton's best player by some distance. Yeah, it was the only thing that gave me comfort today as I was thinking about the game and all the indicators, various indicators that I thought kind of pointed towards the Kings win was the one indicator I thought was McDavid. I thought, okay, he's going to have a big game. I just don't, I, I, he's going to come through. And I wrote a post about it, you know, what's wrong with McDavid? Absolutely nothing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, he had been, he, in the first game, he was in on, he made major contributions to two grade A shots. In the second game, it was six. And this game, it was nine. So um, he's figuring, and mainly on the power play. How many grade A uh, shots did Edmonton have in this game? Remind me. Fifteen. Well, but only 15. two were grade A's, right? Or, sorry, five, five alarms. alarms. Only two right. were, were five alarm. The thirty-three mm-hmm. percenters. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, his shooting, Bruce, that was just magical. Like un, like and and um, it shouldn't go away. Like I think he's going to be hot shooting the rest of this series. You know, I'm still bullish on the Oilers' chances this series. I think the Oilers are going to win this series. Um, it's going to be harder than I thought it was going to be. I picked the Oilers in five. But um, I do that's think the Oilers are better. No, that's mathematically impossible. Uh, but uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens from here on. You know, bad things can happen, though, now, right? You can just get some bad breaks. You know, you can have a few bad goals. And um, so, so more bad, of what's uh, been happening already, in other words. Yeah, bad, more of what's been. But Bruce, this game, I don't think was lost on bad things. This game was lost with L.A. outplaying the Oilers slightly. I, I think they were the slightly better team tonight. That's that's my take on the game. And the Oilers were, this, were the better team by quite a bit in the first two games, and they were unlucky. Uh, bad things did happen in both those games to have the Oilers uh, just get one win out of two. Hockey, it's not always just. This is the way it works. Numbers. Uh, my number, Bruce, is two. That is the number of five alarm shots that the Oilers had this game. But it's only, And it is only the second time this year, all regular season, there was only one other game where the Oilers only had two five alarm shots. Whole season. They averaged, I think, about seven five alarm shots a game. And um, there was only one other game, and it was um, the last time they played the Kings. And the Oilers only had two five-alarm shots in that game as well. Against the Kings, the Kings um, in I LA. In LA, I watched. Um, game, yeah. I watched the. Um, I was wondering about McDavid. You know, like what's going on? And I wondered, like, what, are they doing something special? Are they hooking, holding, or you know, is there something going on? So I, I watched um, LA. And so the reason they're able to limit the orders like this is they're just a really good defensive team. And um, um, they have um, the line that McDavid's out there against is three really smart, effective hockey players, Deneau, Arvidsson, and um, Moore. It's not like those guys shadow McDavid, though. Deneau's not all over him all the time, hooking and holding. And, you know, it's not he's not giving him the full Tekken or anything. The real key to the Kings' defense is their defensemen. These four, to four top four D-men. Um, Drew Doughty teamed up with Mikey Anderson. 
Matt Roy teamed up with uh, Vladislav Gavrikov. Th- three of the Roy's not a great skater, but the other three are great skaters. Very smart defenders. Gavrikov, um, I think I might have made a disparaging comment about him at the trade deadline, saying I was glad they got Ekholm instead of Gavrikov. I shouldn't have done that because I wasn't that aware of Gavrikov. I wasn't. I you know hadn't done the work to have an opinion on Gavrikov at all. And having seen him in these games, <clears throat> I can see why LA really wanted this player, and the Oilers were in on him. He is an outstanding agile skater with a lot of length. A big guy who plays smart defensive hockey. He's not rough, he but he covers you like a blanket. I think Philip uh, Broberg has a chance to be a Gavrikov kind of defender um, in a few years from now. Having that kind of length, skating ability, good stick, not a physical player. That's what we're looking at in, in Broberg. But that's what Gavrikov is right now. Drew Doughty is an, a Hall of Fame hockey player, still playing at a Hall of Fame level. And mm-hmm. um, the... Um, Mikey Anderson, who I don't like because of his dirty play, he is a really good hockey player. I have to give him credit for that. He is a very fast skater, and um, and and it's, he's hard to beat on the rush. So McDavid's biggest strength, his ability to beat defenders on the rush, is is taken away somewhat when you have these players on the ice. They can they can shut them down, and they have been doing it. So when you're looking at if McDavid can't beat them with his speed, generally speaking. Little wonder other players are having a hard time. Edmonton needs to actually, it plays in Edmonton's hands on a certain level if the Kings don't play an aggressive forechecking game. If they if they hold back, play their whatever it is, neutral zone trap, and, and allow the orders to, to dump and thump, that's Edmonton's winning game. If, if they can get into the rhythm of dumping it in, getting in there fast, hitting those guys, because they're not big, this is how you will beat the LA Kings. You can't beat them on the rush. I don't. You're not going to beat this team off the rush. I don't see it happening. So, um, two. That's why they only had the two five alarms. They they just didn't get into that rhythm of the dump and thump this game. It was another kind of. Uh, the Kings played better at even strength for one thing. It was the, and I think they were more aggressive. I think they changed their tactics. I I think they were forechecking harder this game, and getting in on the Oilers more. It was the puck was more on the Oilers end this game. And it had a different feel all game. It was more even throughout the game. The, the other games, the orders really dominated at even strength. That did not happen this game. And uh, we'll see what happens next game. But the the orders have to reestablish that even strength dominance if they're going to win this series. And they got to do it Sunday. Is it Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you know, not all shots are created equal, but at even strength, Edmonton outshot. Uh, LA 32-22, according to Natural Stat Trick, while the shot attempts were 63-36, to like that's a big margin. Uh, So 63%, 63% Fenwick, 59% shots, 64% scoring chances, but only 48% uh, high danger chances. So they saw the same thing we did. Oilers' chances were coming from outside more than they were from the inside. Now they had a 12-11. to Uh, but uh, so, in uh, other words, we played a perfect Calgary Flames losing game, uh-huh. where you outshoot the other team significantly and still lose the game because you're not getting really good shots on net. Something like that, yeah. And it was, um, I mean, at even strength, there was only the one goal. Your first bad thing that was the only five-on-five five goal in the whole game, and each team scored two on the power play. Yeah. So that one critical sequence where they all got locked on the side boards. Uh, you could say that cost them the hockey game. I mean, so this each, goal, is, each goal against was a killer. 
Yeah, this is my point. If they can, Oilers can only manufacture one even strength goal, right? Mm-hmm. They could win this game, yep. and they couldn't. Yep. So there's the game, in my view. This is yep. they were able to do so. They didn't do it this game. They've got to do it. They've got to get that even strength mm-hmm. game going. Stay out of the penalty box. Get your even strength game going. You will win the game. And um, didn't happen. What's your number, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with two and ten. And that's uh, Oilers' record in overtime in the uh, overtime playoffs in the uh, McDavid dry settle era. Uh, they went one and three in 19, or sorry, 2017, when they lost game one to the Sharks, but won game five on the David Deharnay goal. Uh, and then they lost two in the in the overtime against uh, Anaheim in the second round series that year. And then since then, it's just been a a general stream of disappointment with the one exception in Calgary where McDavid scored to eliminate the Flames. I mean, obviously, that was a very high point. But the Oilers themselves have been eliminated from two playoff series in overtime. They lost three overtime games and one series to the Jets. And they uh, uh, lost in uh, overtime to uh, uh, L.A. in game five last year. So that's three in a row now against the Kings where they came up short in all three of them. And then uh, they got eliminated in playoff overtime by uh, Colorado. And it's just not good enough. I mean, this is five-on-five hockey. And if, well, my bad. It's normally five-on-five hockey in overtime. It's four-on-five if you're playing the Kings. But it's five-on-five usually. And, you know, tonight they never even gave themselves a chance. They got zero shots. They wound up in the penalty box, and then they wound up fishing the puck out of the net, and they wound up waiting for a, a prayer of a video review that uh, either was uh, uh, it looked like the puck was high-sticked in the corner, and either the refs didn't see it that way, or I wasn't sure about the video. I think the video review was inconclusive, personally, probably. But I don't know if on the ice if they they blew the call, like because you should be able to see it on the ice clearer mm-hmm. than from video review. Yeah. But it just shows, you know, what do we know in the, what do we know in 2023 video always lies. Like you just can't tell from video. Like it's, it's, it's very deceiving. It's very deceptive. So. Probably those but live, they got to get that call a deep, right. deep fake of the, of the uh, play in the corner. <laughs> they could certainly see that, that little tiny little slash from dry side of that little hen peck from dry sidle on Doughty, you'd think they could see him touch the puck in the, in the air, but I don't know if he did or not anyway. I, I think actually the video, when I watched the video review, if I'm completely honest, I didn't think he did touch the puck. But um, I did. Uh, you did, eh? Yeah. yeah, but I also thought it was possible that Ekholm touched it just before the the King guy who knocked it down touched it, which would have legalized it. So maybe that's No, on I'm Hockey Night in Canada, they said it would have been dead if, if he had touched it in the yeah. air like that. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I think that, and that makes sense, right? Because that's the danger. The, the reason you have that rule is it's a dangerous play to have your stick waving up there. I mean, that's the dangerous mm-hmm. play that's happened. So you, what happens mm-hmm. after that is immaterial. But anyway, that's what they said on Hockey Night in Canada. I don't know the rule myself, so I won't pretend to know it. Yeah, well, it's not like he whacked it over the glass like Kane did last game, but it sure just doesn't seem like these bounces are being very favorable just now. And all those wins at the end of the street season are seeming pretty hollow when they can't find a way to win games when they matter the most. It's not over yet. It's no, not I'm over yet. I'm aware. I know. Two, two, one down. I mean, I got to win three out of the next four. Yeah, they um, can do it. They can do it. All right. 
Bruce, you got to get writing. So let's leave it there. Thank you for talking tonight. Late night tonight. Yeah. Sorry about that. Overtime with an 820 start. At least I decided it quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for talking tonight, Bruce. Okay. Uh, We'll talk to you again on Sunday, David. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, don't give up hope yet. There's the orders. They have to lose two more games to lose this series. I don't see that happening. All right. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.